Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Good evening and a warm welcome to Joy 99.7 FM and to another matriculation of Springboard, your virtual university. It's a beautiful Sunday evening and it promises to get even better right here on this network because this is session number 11 of our entrepreneurship and business growth series. And today we look at human capital or human resources as a key to business growth. Springboard virtually connects a network of CEOs, business executives, corporate decision makers, and the most influential emerging leaders every Sunday evening on a journey of personal improvement. Our quest is very simple, to equip a new generation of African leaders and entrepreneurs using the medium of human capital development. And so since the beginning of the month of May, we've been looking at entrepreneurship and migrated onto business growth. We've had 10 different sessions looking at different aspects of this subject. And in this session number 11, we move to what people call the very heartbeat of the business, the human capital or human resources. How important are a business's people to its success? Do you have clear examples of people who made or unmade a business. Just share your thoughts with us via WhatsApp zero two four nine 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 zero zero zero. Very simple number to remember zero two four quadruple nine triple zero. Do you know about a business that was undone by its staff, or do you know a case where people just came together and made a struggling business turn around big time? Do you know a business success story that is driven largely by the efforts of the people? in the organization share those examples with us on whatsapp zero two four nine 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 five 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 it's zero 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 sorry zero two four nine 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 zero 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 and you can share in this discussion but with me in the studios for this in- instructive not to be missed session is Samuel Buafo who is an HR practitioner he's the head of HR at Calbank Sam would help us unpack the subject of people and if I may add their contribution Sam good evening welcome to Springboard good evening Albert interesting that this is your very first time I know you are a very integral part of this university but this is the first time uh, as a resource yes um uh, we've been doing this in other forums and thanks for the honor of bringing me into the studio. It, it's, it's entirely our privilege. So before we even go to the, the details of this subject that is so critical to our discussion, let me take you to the 13th of August and to the upcoming Festival of Ideas. I mean, for the, for the ninth year running, since 2007, we are bringing together the top crop of business leaders and decision makers from various companies to discuss the theme, a chosen theme. And this is the ninth edition back to back. And this year we chose the theme business with integrity. I'm, I'm just finding out for you, is it important that, that leaders meet together to discuss a subject like this? Well, it is, um, particularly you finding ourselves in the nature of the economy and nature of the global world and how things are changing fast. Ethics has become a critical factor in business uh, uh, management, uh, particularly 
um, from my field, I will speak for it. Um, a lot of companies face difficulties because the issue of ethics and professional standards have not been clearly um, addressed. And sometimes these things tend to make uh, some companies. Um, you talk about ethical behavior and unethical behavior. I'm sure there will be opportunity for us to address it. Right. It's a, it's a key issue that I mean, businesses in Ghana are facing. From where I come from, the financial services sector, that's a, it's a big deal. It's right. a big deal. So you find that for many people, the, 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 the word integrity has a very narrow definition. It, it, it's, it's almost reduced to just morality. But yeah. on the business front, we have a, we have a wider definition of, of integrity. And for, for the purposes of those who just will say, listen, I, I'm just looking at my shareholders and my profits. What has integrity got to do with that? We have broken down the, the main theme into five sub-themes. Compliance and systemic integrity is one of them. We've look, we are looking at corporate governance. We are looking at quality assurance. We are looking at leadership by example, and then corporate values and ethics. These are the five pillars on which our discussion will revolve. Yeah. Just as a, a matter of interest, yeah. which of these five interests you the most? I know you probably see all, but which of them really tickles your fancy, and why? Compliance is is critical for me because right. it, it it runs through everything that takes place in the organization. Once the organization sticks its name forward and says this is what I am into, it sets out the parameters within which such decisions and such practices take place. Now, it is critical that every single individual or practice that takes place in the organization goes in conformity with what the compliance model, what the business parameters are. That, for me, is the minimum integrity that begins every other thing. All the other four factors are critical. But for me, the compliance aspect is critical. My friend Doris in, in Virginia will be very happy to hear you say this because she's a specialist in compliance. And I met her in, in the U.S. and she's like, in, in, in Ghana, it doesn't seem that we, we place that much premium on, on compliance. She doesn't hear people talking about it, but it's a big thing out there. Would you allude to the same thinking that we don't highlight compliance enough in our part of the world? I think so. And, and often it's also because of the na- our nature peculiarly. Um, you know, everybody knows this is what the policy is, but everybody wants you to go around the policy for a personal gain. You know, the shop closes at 7 p.m. Somebody comes in two minutes after 7 and is pleading with you to let me in. Uh, 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 and it manifests itself in so many ways. Um, it's a business you are running. I know you are running a business. But I'm coming in and I'm pleading with you. Can you let me do this? I know it's against policy, but please, can you do it for me? And it, it runs through. So, yes, it's something that we don't take too seriously. But now it's catching up if i can say it is really catching up well we have no choice because considering how resources have to be managed at a time like this without compliance you you literally could end up losing everything that you work so hard to gain exactly and that is why this is a program you can't afford to miss talking about the festival of ideas the theme business with integrity is being rolled out as the theme for the year and speaking on compliance and systemic integrity is Kojo Ohinichi, the CEO of IFS Financial Services. Corporate governance will be handled by Kelly Gadgetpool of the Enterprise Group. Standards and quality assurance will be handled by Lucy Quist of Airtel. 
leadership by example will be the pre- the preserve of Dr. Joyce Ayi, and then corporate values and ethics will be unpacked by Kweku Beduado of Standard Chartered Bank. These are the five people who will speak at the night with great minds. As usual, our keynote speaker will be Dr. Mens Otabel, who will be speaking um, to climax the night with great minds. And for those of you who haven't heard about the night with great minds, it literally is like a gathering of top leaders for dinner and 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 at dinner we share ideas it's a gathering of equals and typically companies come with their management teams and they buy tables and they sit together and deliberate on best practices the world over and it's a very fine platform for leaders to converge share ideas and prepare for the time ahead and that is the night with great minds Additionally, in the morning of the festival, we have an executive development session. That's a different package altogether. And it's a corporate breakfast executive coaching session from 8 a.m. till 11.30 a.m. And that provides the opportunity for executive coaching on public speaking, corporate dressing, personal branding, and personality management. Speakers Joel Nette of Innova DDB, Grace Amir Bing of FC, Petra Samoa of Delta, and then Albert and Comfort Ukraine. So that's just the package for the Festival of Ideas. If you want de- a detailed concept paper sent to you, it's very simple. Just either send an email to info at legacy and legacy.com.gh. It will send you a self-explanatory concept paper that you can share with your management team to help make a decision about participating in the Festival of Ideas. The email again, info at legacyandlegacy.com.gh. If you want to call a number, 024-9999555 or 0544-315164. Let me quickly take our commitments for the year 2015. The first is to read a good book a month. The second is to attend personal development interventions. The third is to sign up to the SMS Academy. The fourth one, very importantly, is to write your 20-year personal development and investment plan. And the last one is to deliberately build social equity. On the SMS Academy, our message for today, life mistake number 26. I'm taking note of this one. Life mistakes. The most critical mistakes in life. And the, the, the number 26 is doing nothing about job dissatisfaction. Persisting in a job you dislike or think is a mistake will further dislodge other aspects of your life. Let me pause and ask Sam. Sam, do you love your job? I do, passionately. Right. So, can a person who hates your job... I mean, I meet people who say, listen, this is the last year I will do this job. I hate this job. They are going to work and they are insulting their bosses and next year they are back at the same place. Can a person succeed in doing a job they hate? No. Absolutely. I like your answer. No. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So, life mistake number two. We are, we are collating the most, the most critical mistakes people make in their whole lives. And we are doing it for the whole month of July on what you call the SMS Academy. It's an academy where you receive the message on your phone. You don't have to sign up to anything or go to any any class or anything. It's a school on your phone. Do it to you for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a little premium. 14, 14 pesos a day, but it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, this is the message for today, the 26th message in the month of, of July. And it simply means that, you, uh, it simply says, if you persist in a job you hate, you, you're going to wreck your life. Because, you know, our encouragement to people is basically love what you do and do it with passion. Right. You'll be very successful if you end up getting a job that falls in line with your passion. Um, if you're doing a job and you hate it with passion, basically the dislike or the hatred for that job eventually catch up with you, will catch up with you 
and it will be very obvious. It's not necessarily because you do not have what it takes to mm. do the job, mm. but the spirit with which you do the job is wrong. And until you change that spirit in loving what you do, there is no way that you will do anything successful. If I'm talking about spirit, it's one of the questions I want to ask you when you come to the discussion of HR. 19 minutes past the hour of eight of seven o'clock and this is springboard your virtual university the discussion today is about human capital as a key to business growth and my guest sam buafu who is the head of human resources at cal bank sam let me start with a quote from mary k ash a top ceo who says people are definitely a company's greatest asset it doesn't make any difference whether the product is cars or cosmetics or radio or banking a company is only as good as the people it keeps how critical is human resource to a business's growth? Well, um, people go into business with, uh, of course, with this whole aim of um, providing a service or providing a good that is desired by their customers. And therefore, people are very methodical in deciding what kind of business to, to, to invest in. Now, setting up a business and running a business require a lot of skill and require a lot of resources. I think that the, the, the point that this quotation talks about has been um, emphasized over and over again. The fact that it keeps coming up for me is just to underscore the importance of the human resource in any organization. Technology is changing and with it is bringing up competition, very fierce competition. Now, that also calls for doing things differently because you can't continue to do things the same old way and expect that you get a different result. And so that fierce competition comes with a lot of change, innovation, technology-wise. Now, you can't do this and be successful if you ignore one critical factor that will eventually implement these strategic solutions and interventions that you seek to um, implement, which is the human resource. Um, I haven't seen a company that has been very successful, you know, um, sitting in their own small corner and virtually doing things the same way every day. You will need people and you just don't need people. You need the very skilled, very experienced and very, very, very sharp and innovative people to be able to turn your business around. And this also, in, in fact, is also a function of the environment within which you are operating. There is so much pressure coming on businesses that you cannot afford not to involve the key resource, which is the human resource, in your business enterprise or business endeavor. I've been reading the, the last two editions of the Harvard Business Review, and guess what? Both of them, back-to-back, -back, um, human resource is the cover story. It just is telling, and, and, and the last one said, why, you must just dump HR. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you no, see, no, I read, I read right, it. Too. Why, right. we, why, why, why we hate why we love to hate HR, HR and how, yes. why we should blow HR and I read it to you <laughs> well, my, 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 my daughter bought that for me and it made my day my 17 year old daughter bought that for me as a gift the fact that she bought that and not in a shirt or anything else made my day but that's another story mm -hmm. but I read I read both of them and it just is talking about how the discussion is evolving to a, a whole new plane where we just can't be there and do things anyhow you mentioned three things skilled sharp experience for four things you said the, uh, technology is changing competition is increasing therefore you must look for skilled sharp innovative and experienced people to to in key places in the business the question is how, what how do you find people like that 
Well, it begins with you deciding exactly what you want to do and at what point you are doing what. Um, starting a business or running a business goes through stages. It goes through cycles. Um, I talk about the fact that if you are looking for a position which is basically trainable, you are willing to train whoever you are looking for to, to perform their role, then the, the emphasis that you place on at that point is looking for a qualification. Right. Because for entry-level positions, you are not looking for any experience. They don't have it. Uh, most unfortunately, uh, educational institutions don't necessarily prepare people ready for the market. It requires some form of training before. So once you set up that you are willing to offer the training, the premium you place for it is um, your qualification. Now, how do you get those people? Obviously, um, unfortunately now, there are how many universities in Ghana now? Uh, I'm not sure I can. (laughs) And I always tell... Both accredited and unaccredited. You know, and I always tell students when I talk to them that just imagine yourself that there are about roughly about 40 universities in Ghana and about... I'm sure you I, I'm sure being you very conservative. The list of those that were unaccredited <laughs> was 53. So exactly. That tells you that. is scary. But here is the point. Now, assuming that there is one company that is just looking for somebody and says the minimum I'm looking for is a first degree, immediately your competition is as dealing with... And I, I take it that minimally each of these institutions is producing, say... 2,000 graduates. Let me just give you some numbers to chew on for, for, for what you do. I'm sure you have a better hang of it than I do. So um, somebody we both know was handling a recruitment process that involved recruiting fresh graduates for a role that was finance related. Yeah. And so the original plan was to use um, a, a, a newspaper ad to put out um, the information for people to apply. And it was decided that, well, whilst we have a weekend in between now and when we can place the ad, let's just put it, the, the information on WhatsApp. Yeah. And over the weekend, over 4,000 people applied for the same job. And yeah. the only medium that was used to circulate the information was WhatsApp. Exactly. Now, that tells you just how many, many people, people are out available exactly. out there looking for a baseline entry job. And exactly. that is scary. Yeah, exactly. And that, that makes it even more intriguing because then you have such a large pool of people right. to select from. Right. So as a business person, your task is really how do you separate the skilled one from the not so exciting ones, which then requires the skill in knowing what you are looking for. I mean, there are various um, and tools as assessment models that are available to help you go through such processes uh, successfully. People resort to aptitude tests, um, interviews, trade level interviews, just to be make just to be able to make sure that this individual that I'm selecting is a perfect much for me what I look out for in 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 the person. It, it must be a very tough task for 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 you um, HR people in selecting the candidate. You sometimes m- must feel that you probably missed somebody and you t- chose somebody else and you keep looking back sometimes, don't you? Yeah, well, we call them the false positives and, and, uh, and it happens a lot. Um, sometimes you, you decide to go with the aptitudes and there are people who on paper are excellent you go through interviews they come through the interviews they impress but almost times sometimes the excitement goes over how exciting this individual is and you lose track of the critical components required for the job for the job role so yeah sometimes you miss we call them recruitment failures right you 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 will miss 
um, I had an individual who came to me for an interview on two different occasions failed for a particular role. And this individual came in for a different job role. And he was just bent on working with us. So he came for a different job. He came in and he did the job so well. We advertised the position that he originally applied for that we turned down. And once he's in and we advertise internally, he applied for the role again. And guess what? Just after a year or so of staying with us, this gentleman blew everybody off. And on the job, is among the one of the best on the job. So sometimes, yes, the practices that we do turns away people that ordinarily should have gone in. But it's a very delicate balance. I like the wink in your eyes. But really, I mean, what do you do? I, I mean, this Harvard article, Harvard Business Review article that I read, and for those of you who are, uh, must be wondering what, what was the reference to Harvard Business Review, it's just as part of what we do, you, you want to read around and, and, and find out what is being discussed. And it was one of the crit- criticisms about HR is that people don't like them because they, they don't allow you to use intuition to select to say, listen, the guy may have filled the aptitude test, but something just tells me this guy is good. They say HR people do allow things like that. Is, is it true? Yeah, it, it is. Albert, you want to use more methodologies? Yes, it is because um, the, the exercise, recruitment exercise, as you indicated, will define your success or failure, and you do not want to make such critical decisions on. There are times that spot on you meet an individual you and hear an individual speak and somebody something just tells you that no this guy i want to give a chance to it's happened several times but for a business manager or a line manager recruiting and coming to you with just that gut feeling sometimes it makes it very difficult counting on just that alone if there is something else that that is backing that gut feeling it makes it you know a bit more Credible, a bit more stronger for me to, as an HR person, to say I want to go with your, with your discretion in that matter. In this matter, twenty nine minutes past the hour of seven. If you just joined us, it's a discussion of methodology versus gut feeling <laughs> on Springboard your Virtual University. My guest, Sam Boafo, he's the HR head at at Carl Bank. He's helping us to unpack the issue of human resource as a key strategic tool for the business's growth. And we just were trying to look at how do you find the right person? I mean, what do you do in the midst of numbers that you just cannot fathom? How do you find the jewel hiding in the midst of the rubble as they see? Sam, I'm curious about the issue of attitude. Attitude. Yeah. Why is it a big thing that somebody must... You mentioned qualification. Is there a place for attitude? Yes, there is. Um, again, depending on what level you are looking at. In fact, for all recruitment positions that you do... Um, also, apart from the technical skills that you are looking for, a bit of the behavioral assessment is also important. It's important because um, you are recruiting people to work in teams. Definitely, no man is an airline that will cooperate with. You would definitely work with people. And working with people, you know, involved interacting with people. And so you want to be able to build up a team that can gel and that can, you know, work together and deliver the business objective. Now, Attitudes, oftentimes, um, we refer to the negative one because when somebody has a positive attitude, it reflects in the work and you do not have to really bother about it. The negative side of the attitude is where the problem, particularly when you have a very excellent individual who is very skillful on the job, top of of the job. He understands it. You give it to him, he will do the job for you, but has such a negative uh, 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 if you want to call it a bad attitude and, and it begins to create problems for 
organization. So at the recruitment level, it's important that you can pay attention to those issues as well as, as you, you make your recruitment decisions. Somebody said, listen, attitude is overplayed. Will you hire a surgeon? I mean, talking about the, the, the trade-off between technical skill and attitude or character, he says, will you hire a, a, a surgeon who's a very nice person but has, has shaky hands? Or, or would you hire a pilot who's just a wonderful people's person but is not too sure of the controls? He says, hey, it comes down to technical ability. And then the, the other side of the argument says, listen, no matter what, if the person has a bad attitude, even if he's supposed to do something about the surgery, because of the bad attitude, they will do the wrong thing and end up endangering the lives of people. Yeah. Would you like to comment on that? Yes, I agree with the last sentiment, particularly because, listen, you may be very skilled in what you do. At every time, there are decisions that ought to be made. Um, if you go to the world of sports, you will notice that there are teams that have had fantastic footballers who on the field would delight you any day. But there are times that such person's influence on their team, on the, on the field, becomes troubling. Um, there have been instances where players on the field have left their colleagues to revolt against coaches by, you know, going contrary to instructions that the coaches are giving. And if a coach is worth his thoughts, immediately you begin to sideline you. It is not because that individual isn't very skillful on the field, but because that individual's influence in the team is getting uh, out of hand that if you do not immediately act on it, could eventually affect the entire team. Now, at the workplace, that is not the room, that is not the place for such experiments, you know, to be done. If a company policy, if a company practice, if a company decision or objective is, this, we were talking about compliance earlier on. Right. And in the area of surgery, you understand that the slightest mistake that you make can cause somebody uh, uh, his life. And, and therefore, you do not want to leave it to how an individual feels or how an individual thinks on any issue that is very important for businesses. You want to make sure that people are doing it and doing it the way that they are supposed to do it. Talking about compliance, you just mentioned um, 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 compliance. Let me just give you a scenario. So one of the challenges that most newly appointed CEOs face, you enter a place, great ideas, great plans. You've got a wonderful concept that you sold out to the board to the appointing authority and you've been brought in as the new head of the organization and you find that there are unproductive cultures that persisted long before your appointment and so how do you deal with very pervasive behaviors but which are unproductive or retrogressive how do you deal with them do you you suck everybody. <laughs> what do you do? Well, the, the, the history is replete of people who go into such environments and immediately decide that, listen, I want to get rid of everybody. And I, I talk about sports a lot because, unfortunately, you see a lot of semblance. And you're talking about sports. If you have yeah. examples of bad attitude players that, that are skillful <laughs> and for that reason, uh, um, they were allowed to play and, and it affected the team, send it to us. We'll read it out on air. If you also have uh, examples of good attitude players who made a difference, who may not have been exceptionally skilled, but who were just there doing the right thing and who also turned things around, yeah, just share it. But must there even be a trade-off? Can't you have an excellent player? in terms of technical skill who also has a great attitude let's talk about it 
share your WhatsApp messages with us zero two four nine 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 zero zero zero. So I'm sorry to cut you short. All right, uh, but, but for corporate world as a CEO, a new place like I think that the first thing that you must uh, uh, do is to seek to understand exactly how this culture has evolved. You, you don't go in there and effect change by creating more problems than you have already have met it. You have a vision, you have a strategy on what you think ought to be done. First of all, I think you must seek to understand how that culture... It may sometimes be that people do not really understand how that culture that is retrogressive is affecting the the, the, the fortunes of the company. And so, uh, uh, seek to understand the problem and find the right way of introducing that change. Change necessarily won't be welcome. Um, Nobody will accept change for the face value that somebody wants me to change. I'm comfortable doing things this way. Why must I change? And therefore, seeking to understand why that culture has come up is very, very important. And now, once you've been able to do that, then clearly you must decide exactly what has to be done in order to be able to bring the change that you you, you were seeking to bring in. It calls for you engaging with the key stakeholders. If you are you have a union in that company or a business, it's the time to begin to engage with these uh, uh, key stakeholders and explain why the current culture is not working or how it is affecting the business and why it is time to change and what the positives are for the new change initiatives that are to be implemented. I think that in Ghana, there are examples. Unfortunately, I can't mention them on there. People who had very solid plans for the various companies that were, that were, that were uh, sent to and who unfortunately could not succeed, not necessarily because they do not have what it takes to run those organizations, but the change management process on the organizational culture went so bad, eventually they have to be taken out. It's getting even more interesting here on the Springboard, the virtual university. My, my, my guest, Samuel Buafo, is the head of human resources at Cal Bank. He's helping us understand people and people and people, how they can become your best resource or they are meant to be your best resource, but it requires a certain kind of understanding. And the last point he was commenting on was about the CEO and a newly introduced introduced leader, head of department, head of organization, and how to get the team that you inherit to abandon certain pervasive but very uncomplimentary behaviors. And he says, number one, seek to understand the culture that permeates the organization. Why do people behave the way they do? What is the understanding? Do they even think they are doing the right thing in the first place? And number two, find the right ways to offer or sell your change. And in doing that, expect some resistance and prepare for it. The third one was very critical. Engage stakeholders. Engage the various stakeholders, the unions, the people, the power brokers, and help them appreciate the fact that the change is beneficial to them. Sam, is there a place for leadership by example? It's one of the themes we're talking about under integrity. This leader who has come in, if you came in criticizing something and saying, this is not how to do things, what about if you yourself end up doing what you say is not good? Exactly. I mean, that was the point that I was going to go to. that Leadership is critical in any change management position because you become the role model. Now, if you as the leader find it easy and comfortable doing what you require and expect of every other employee, it becomes easy for me to look up and say, well, he's the boss. He's doing it. I do not have any 
option than to do it. Uh, you, he, um, I will come to a I was said of a former governor of the Bank of Ghana. <laughs> it was said that he was so punctual, it was annoying. And the story is told of one of his deputies complaining that when the, when the governor came, he came to work at 8, and every time he came, the governor was already there in the first week or two. So he decided to come at 7.30, he came, the man was there. He came at 7, the man was there. He came at 6.30, and then he gave up because the man was there. <laughs> you know, which is such a positive influence that for that period that he was there, I'm not sure anybody will talk about lateness or absenteeism because you know that no matter what, except the circumstances require him to be outside, you know that at every time, almost invariably, you will find that individual in, in the organization. So leadership, leadership is key. Leadership Everything rises and falls on leadership. It's 21 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. Let me give Sam some time to catch his breath. He's been rolling back-to-back information that is very critical for building our organization. There are two things I really want to ask him about. One of them is corporate politics. That very big animal that can let a person with good intentions end up with your back on the floor and, and, and run away and leave your job. And then there is also the issue of teamwork. How do you get skilled stars? To play as a team but just to recap for those of you who like writing notes what you said so far number one is that um you need skilled people sharp people innovative people and experienced people in your team and he says that doesn't mean that there's no place for fresh graduates but um if it's a trainable position you look for the qualification and you work on the people he alluded to the fact that educational institutions don't necessarily prepare people to excel in their jobs and so for the typical hr person you look for the right person with the right attitude and then you work on the person he's mentioned that the selection process involves various methodologies aptitude tests interviews and all kinds of processes that invariably are supposed to get the best out of thousands of people. But even then, there still is some recruitment failure. We discussed methodology versus gut feeling. Sometimes the methodology, no matter how well crafted it is, does not bring out the right person. And even though you have the gut feeling this person will be good, sometimes it's just not enough to make a, a strong case for that person's selection. We thought about attitude and said attitude is key. And that no matter how technically gifted a person is, an attitude that is I mean, that promotes the business will be very important. And he mentioned that strong coaches, sideline players who are technically gifted but have a bad attitude. The last point he commented on so far was about change management as it relates to a newly appointed head in any institution or organization. And he says, number one, seek to understand the culture. Number two, find the right ways to offer the change. Number three, engage key stakeholders. And we all agree that leadership, by example, is very important. Let me take this break for the benefit of our sponsors and let me mention that Echo Bank would like to thank every one of you for supporting the bank over the past couple of over the past 25 very successful years of its operation like the proverbial mustard seed echo bank in 25 years has transitioned from the smallest bank in the country to the largest bank by deposits profits total assets revenue and loans as of december 2014 this is a testament to the values of hard work dedication diligence and the highest which african is able to soar the bank currently operates a network of 80 branches 195 ATMs, numerous point-of-sale and various e-banking platforms. In addition to their significant contribution to the country's economy and society, Ecobank has established a reputation of excellence among industry watchers, both domestically and internationally. In marking a silver anniversary, Ecobank wants to say thank you to all of you and to say we couldn't have done it without you. 
Omega Capital would like to remind you that they manage a springboard investment club. And there are three reasons why you must join. If you are planning to raise a target of a million, which is a very nice target to have in your personal 20-year investment plan, you can start with as little as 10 Ghana CDs a month in investment. As long as you are consistent and is earning compound interest, it will get to a point where your appetite, appetite will grow and you will increase the amount and you will soon become a millionaire in your small corner. Very importantly, the club will groom you on how to invest, where to invest, who um, who to speak to, and you will have 24-hour access to an investment advisor. The third reason is the Omega Advantage. The fund manager offers top-range investment services, including fixed income investment, private equity, real estate, mutual funds, pension fund management, and a lot more. So now you know. Visit Omega Capital at the Alberts in Kanda or call 030-273-4744 or 026 026- Two seven seven four two nine seven. The Springboard Investment Club is the road to your first million. Let me say that when I come back from this break, before we conclude our discussion on human capital, I'll tell you why that teenage child of yours must not stay at home in the last week of August. We are bringing together for the ninth time continuous the finest young people in this country. Human capital development, it begins right from childhood and the children who become great are normally identified early. Last two weeks, you found out about how Dale Carnegie and Bill Gates began their journey when they were teenagers and went on to become the richest people in the world. If you have a teenager at home, please don't be unkind to them. Bring them. We are teaching them only one skill this year. Every year we do something different. This year, our focus is on only one thing. And Sam, do you have a, a, a teenage child? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet, okay. How old? He's 11. 11. 11, yeah. 11 will, wave, will create a waiver. Yes. We, 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 it's, it's supposed to be for, for 12 to 18, but every single year we have a few under 12s who make a, such a compelling case, and they mm. end up sometimes being exceptional students. I think you should register your son sure. for, 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 for this course. But it's a one-week um, um, non-residential program, and our, our objective for this year is to help them to become writers. Mm. That's our whole objective. One whole week. We'll introduce them to journalists. We'll introduce them to write authors. We'll help them start the outline of their first book. By the time we finish, every one of the 500 teenagers who will come there would have written the synopsis of their first book, the, the chapter outline, the title of the book. It's just fun that they can learn how to write so early. We'll bring, actually, teenagers who wrote their first books to interact with them, for them to meet 12-year-olds who wrote their first book and the experience it brought them and and they will find it very stimulating and they will also, of course, meet experienced people who have won CNN Journalist of the Year and so on and it's it's a mix of people that they will meet but very importantly, even if they don't want to become authors, just the fact that they can improve their writing will help. I mean, you, you, you you are an HR boss and you recruit people. I mean, how atrocious the writing the, the can English, be. Yeah. Oh. Yes, yes. <laughs> so that's what the teenagers will benefit from. And, and those who sign up will be very. It's at the Osu Ebenezer Presby Hall. It's from Monday the 24th to the Friday the 28th of August 2015, 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. each day. Again, the same numbers are the numbers to reach us on 024 For an investment of 100 Ghana CDs, you can let your child go through this experience that will transform their lives forever and during the period that they are with us we'll take care of them give them lunch snacks give them an experience of a lifetime and when we come back from the break i'll show you why a top-notch corporate head 
has advised every teenager to be at teenpreneurship because her, her, her child came for teenpreneurship and the change is so dramatic. My name is Irabna Asafubwachi. I have a teenage daughter called Esther who participated in both seasons 7 and 8 of the teenpreneurship conference. I must say she benefited immensely from the learning experience it offered her. She was equipped with new skill sets and uh, personal development tools. She also made friends with uh, lots of forward-thinking teenagers her age. Last year in particular, she was introduced to the world of finance, and by the time the week-long conference was over, she had gained an appreciable level of financial literacy. Her main takeaway was the need to cultivate a savings habit, and happily she embraced this and has implemented this. So now, purely of her own volition, virtually all of her pocket money is returned to me for investment purposes, and I think this is highly commendable. To my mind, there's no doubt that uh, participation in teenpreneurship is time extremely well spent, and I wholeheartedly recommend the program to all teenagers. And that's the voice of Irabna Asafubachi, the head of legal at Ecobank Ghana. Irabna, good evening, and good evening to Esther as well. I mean, you are the you you are the stars of tomorrow. Uh, uh, Sam, is your is your is your mind made up now? <laughs> yes, I think uh, listening to listening to that endorsement is, is, is exciting. You give it a shot. Yeah, 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 I'm sure you, the part you like is the fact that you, the, the pocket money will return to you for investment. Exactly. My son, my son started lending money to me at fifty percent for the entrepreneurship. Right. Let's let's take this home. And just by the way, if you're thinking about signing up on team entrepreneurship, the number to call again is zero two four nine 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 five five five. You can either send us a WhatsApp or call us. We'll send you more information. But just for purposes of explanation, the theme is purely about writing and it's five days. Non-residential. The venue is the Usu Ebenezer Presby Hall at Usu. And the date is Monday the 24th to Friday the 28th of August 2015. Monday to Friday 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. each day. Sam, take us home. Two things I'm curious about. One of them is politics. Corporate politics and it's propensity to destroy organizations. Your quick, quick comment on it. Well, it, it is real. Um, we, unfortunately, nobody, nobody is taught what corporate politics is and how to practice it at a workplace. Has to, but there, there are advantages, there are disadvantages. Just that the way it manifests itself in the workplace is almost invariably on the negative side. And, and it's nothing basically but the fact that people compete for various things, even at the workplace, promotions, um, resources, projects, and uh, all that. What it is is that in, in the quest to gain, if you like, prominence in each of these rules, people resort to various, um, we call it politics, and politics is a game, so people resort to various gameplays in order to position themselves at the disadvantage of others. Now, if it is done right, it may help you, the individual, to be able to step yourself forward, you know, speaking out there and making the point that this is me, I can do this, give me the chance. It's all politics, it's good. But the way it manifests itself in the workplace mostly is the fact that people resort to the negativities in order to project themselves as it were putting other people down in order to raise themselves. That is where the negativities come in. It comes in various forms. It may be gossiping, sometimes bullying, sometimes, you know, backstabbing a co-worker, talking bad about co-worker. All, you know, effort to project 
oneself as being a better person than the other. And insofar as we compete for these things and uh, we, we, we work in a workplace, these things are real. For a leader, it's difficult managing certain, but the moment such things come to your attention, you must be beginning to. Sometimes, if it is the positives, you allow things to, to go on. For example, if you have two salespeople who are competing and it's positive, it's about trying to outdo each other in terms of what the sales returns that comes in. Ah, it's positive. I mean, they may tell you stories about it, but if it's all geared towards who is better when it comes to sales, it's good. It's more of when people do this to earn an undeserved you know, attribute. That is where the problems are. And Brian Casey's response to that one is that if you climb the ladder of politics, uh, the, the, the corporate ladder through politics instead of through competence, you may be at the top briefly, but you will come down with the same speed or probably a faster speed than you climb with. Let, let's close this on one last point, and that is about teamwork. What is your one secret for bringing together a team of competent people who may not necessarily be working together to be able to work together as one team and get results? A group of competent people. It's about what the group goes or what the sole objective of bringing the group together is about. See, the point is when people know what is expected of them, whatever their role is in an organization, they most likely just don't meet the minimum, but also even exceed what the minimum is. It is important that in seeking to build a team, you know what the ultimate goal, what the ultimate aim of that group is, and clearly communicate what each individual's roles are in a team. In that way, yes, I may be at the number two position, he is the striker, but our ultimate aim is that we must win the match, irrespective of who is playing at what position. Interestingly, in the current, uh, in the EPL season, you see people spending a lot of money buying players. These coaches have spent time, assess their teams, know the weakness, and decided that they, they need to bring in certain players, all geared towards building a very winsome side, and that can end them titles. Some, there's so much we can explore in this subject and we should do this again. I hope you, you agree to that. Every time. We should do this again. And, and at the festival, we'll be having some very intensive debate on this subject. But thanks for making time to, to, to join us and we appreciate your time. Pleasure, Ismail. Right. So if you've been listening to us in the past hour and you've enjoyed it, it's because my guest has been Sam Boafu, who is the head of um, Human Resources at Carl Bank. Sam definitely will be back and we'll be having some more intense discussions. This time going into issues like reward and sanctions. How do you reward? How do you sanction the people who are not doing the work and pretending to be working? It's going to be a very interesting discussion on the flip side as we look at other aspects of human resource. One hour always flies when you're in good company, but we'll do this again. Um, the Festival of Ideas is a gathering of the nation's best leaders and we'll be looking at business with integrity. I want to invite you, make a date. And very importantly, the morning session provides executive coaching for your staff. Don't miss out on it. If you want to find out more details, 0544-315164 or 024-9999555. So we meet again next week. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. My name is Reverend Albert Okran. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to 
www.albertokran.com, amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh,